Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey there, Thunder Buddies and Travelers down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network and powered by a large man appears.com. I am your host, your blues brother on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, joined as I am always by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, I see you're having a sip of Pepsi Max for the working man tonight. You've changed off the Coke Z's for a while. Uncle Joe is going to be disappointed in you. It's just what we had in the shop. It was the yeah. easiest thing to hand. Um, I'm the same, brother. Yeah, I do, I do enjoy Pepsi Max, especially the cherry. Cherry's a good oh, one. Oh, no, why'd you have to say that? Ah, listen. It's like, I, I really like that thing, especially the worst version of it. <laughs> well, I also enjoy a good vanilla Coke, so... Yeah, no, I'll give you that, I'll give you that. And Pepsi, have, Pepsi don't do a vanilla variety that's available over here, so... Have you had the vanilla Coke Z? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, but yeah, but, uh, carbonated beverages aside, how have you been? Well, I mean, we're we're delayed doing this podcast because I wasn't too well. Yeah, you weren't. You <laughs> I weren't. Had, I had a pretty bad uh, dose of sunstroke or heat stroke, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Uh, yes, folks, that is scientifically possible to get in Ireland. Yeah, in spite of like there was a significant amount of cloud cover for the day. Yeah, um, I got fairly severely burned on the top of my head and uh, yeah. did not realise until the next morning when yeah. I couldn't stand up without feeling dizzy and vomiting. Oh. I uh, when you texted me that you had heat stroke, I was just like, Jesus! Like he might like that's very dog ate his homework levels. He could just say he didn't want to do it. As I was looking out the window, like where I was, I was just like, it was fucking lashing rain when you told me. <laughs> now, granted, it was then I pieced together that it had happened to you the previous day. Yeah. So I was like, right, okay, okay. The last time I had heat stroke was probably when I was uh, writing reviews for Irish wrestling shows. Oh lord, lord. <laughs> 
<laughs> but that was a different kind of heat. Yeah, um, down a different kind of stroke. <laughs> um, but no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, happy to be uh, be doing another podcast, and we have about eighteen lined up now for the foreseeable future. It just seems like we have a string of shows we need to do. Yeah, we've a lot of a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff, and a lot of bad stuff coming up. Um, which is which is good. It keeps the fires burning here uh, over at Days of Thunder Central. Um, I'm also coming to the end of my busy work season, which is going to help me to kind of be a bit more flexible and focus more on the, the shows, which is great. Um, I did for the first time in my 34 years an escape room last week. Oh yeah, how was it? I've never done one. Do you know, it was pretty good. Um, I kind of, because of, like, it was in a work capacity and I was bringing younger people there, like, it was a bunch of teenagers, I was trying not to, like, actively solve puzzles for them and um, I was just kind of trying to sit back and enjoy the experience. Um, But we did one that was, like, it was up in Dublin and it was all um, geography-themed. So it was all around, like, travel and coordinates and things like that. And it was, like... um, we did two teams versus each other where there's four rooms and it's you do like say we'll do room one and two while the others are doing rooms three and four they'll time us and then we'll flip reverse and they'll kind of compare our times at the end to see who did the quickest total clear um the team i was with lost but it was um it was a lot of fun they're not as like i think the branding on some of them for some people is not great like the phrase escape room implies a lot more claustrophobia than Mm -hmm. was present in my experience like i think i've heard some people call them puzzle rooms and i think that's much more um appropriate it's the closest i've ever felt to what was a childhood dream of appearing on the crystal maze (laughs) did you not want to go on the new crystal maze no, as much as I love Richard Ayoade, I think the magic was the Richard O'Brien Crystal Maze in yes. the 90s. Um, not least because of that banging theme song. But I must have watched every episode of that old Crystal Maze where, where uh, back you, where in the day. You, where you're a Krypton Factor watcher. Uh, Krypton Factor nearly missed me. I remember it, but I was very, very young when Krypton Factor was still a thing. So like you're... Your weekend light entertainment was um, well. Actually, no. Crystal Maze kind of aired most days on, on, on Channel Four, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, then Challenge, Challenge later show, when it yeah. came along. Yeah. Um, so I was that. I was um, Gladiators, the UK Gladiators, mm-hmm. the good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rep, 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 a big man, Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Like I know we talked about it before when we started doing WMAC Masters that uh, I watched Battle Dome for the brief period that was on on the Saturday nights. Ro- did Robot little, Wars did a little bit of Robot Wars. Never, never too much uh, of the Robot Wars. Like if it was on, I'd watch the rest of it. But I was never like it wasn't appointment viewing for me. Jo- Jonathan Pierce was off putting for me. So yeah, I was trying to think like what else was. Um, what else were light entertainment staples of an evening? Because I was big, obviously. Sky One used to do well, Simpsons Double Bill every day of the week, so that was happening. Well, I mean, you, you're a little bit younger than I am, so you probably weren't a uh, Noel Edmonds house party watcher. I was, I oh, was. Okay. Oh, I frequented Crinkly Bottom. Uh, <laughs> there's one that'll be clipped. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Noel Edmonds was like a kind of like TV personality through the 80s and 90s, and he had this kind of... It was like nominally like a a chat and uh, 
wacky skit, skit, skit show. show yeah uh that was like his house party where he was at this country manor in a village called crinkly bottom because this was uk tv humor in prime time back then so i watched that i, I remember telly addicts as well his game yes. show about tv that he that he hosted um all the the slate of barrymore shows as well bit family fortunes mm. uh, as well les dennis um wheel of fortune yeah and then there's some stuff that seems to escape and the US find out about it and realise Jesus TV was fucking dull in the UK and Ireland in the 90s like Big Break and Bullseye <laughs> and there's like literally game shows where people play snooker the, or play the darts worst, the two worst sports in the world <laughs> yeah great fun to actually play when you have a few jars in you in a pub not great to to watch necessarily mm-hmm. um, it, the, the, the darts of Bullseye were not the darts that you see now uh, I, the, the, the I have no interest in the darts are yeah but people like it and it's a lot more showbiz like this was just like gruff owl lads in a smoky room trying to win a kettle yeah uh, <laughs> like <laughs> darts now is going through its attitude era yeah it certainly is yeah I remember that guy coming out to cult of personality doing mm-hmm. the punk entrance oh god tragic tragic um but yeah like the so the escape room was was pretty damn good um I think it's like there's a nice variety of puzzles that if you're in a team, it's going to play to some people's strengths um, and and some people's weaknesses. And um, it, I uh, what I found interesting as somebody who likes to compose quizzes and challenges and activities for people as part of my job, um, to see them do it in such a way where they've constructed the puzzles, and I can't even put a finger on how they've done it, but in a way that you literally can't solve it by yourself. Okay. Like between the time limit and the nature of some of the challenges requiring you to be in more than one part of the room at a different time or looking at two different things at the same time, it the circumstances force you to cooperate uh, okay. in a way that was really, really interesting to me. So like one of the reasons we would bring people there is like part of if they're forming a group and stuff like that, that you have to go through just like a theory of group dynamics where you kind of have to let them go through the awkward phase go through the attempting to be a team go through the fighting with each other phase and then at the end of the fighting they become a, a formed team it, it's the whole work retreating and like making yeah. the, the you know, teams into a, a team yeah. yeah and like it's all very cheesy and very corporate when you talk about it that way but like when you watch it in action the like I think there's five stages in this kind of the theory of it like it does actually work so you're just kind of sitting there going fuck <laughs> like, I hate that this works but it works yeah well um, it's a theory for a reason yeah but um, it's good because there's, like, there's different kinds of it doesn't it was also specifically done to not because um, I think when you hear there's challenges with coordinates and stuff like that people are thinking oh there's going to be maths involved and there's literally like I think there was one very basic addition and subtraction thing that like you were able to just do like anybody really could have done off yeah. the top of their head um, but other than that, like it's very accessible. Same with levels of literacy, it's very, very accessible as oh, well. Right. Like it's it's really interesting. I'd love to actually sit down with like game makers from places like that and hear like how they approach it, how they plan these things out. It's it's much more fascinating than World Championship Wrestling. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, actually, one one thing we we haven't mentioned is since our last show, uh, I have no idea what you're about to say now. We've actually met in person. Ah, yes, yes, we did. 
and we never took a picture in, to prove it yeah yeah first time in uh what nearly four years C- coming like, up well, three and a half three and a half easily yeah. yeah yeah it's three and a half this is february 2020 yeah mm-hmm. so three three almost three and a half exactly yeah um, we met at the last Irish wrestling show either of us will ever go to as long as we're this side of the ground I imagine <laughs> um, and yeah then a pandemic um, jobs and laziness got in the way um, yeah. so it was nice to see you pal yeah it was it's good to see each other I'm going to see each other again in London in a couple of weeks and allegedly there's some sort of wrestling show going on not that ah, we fucking know <laughs> who cares about that <laughs> yeah certainly not Tony Khan anyway oh, what, what, what? um but uh, yeah, no, it was nice to see you. We 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 went ham on some uh, Korean fried chicken. We did. Yeah, it this was, was your it was this like, your first visit to the mighty Chimac. It was, and it was delightful. I've been telling yeah. everybody about it all week. It was great. Oh, it's so good. If you're ever in Dublin, check out Chimac. There's uh, one on Angier Street and one in I think Terenure is the other one. I think. Um, but yeah, Korean fried chicken. Uh, bacon and cheese fries, uh, the whole the whole shebang. You got the same as me. Didn't yeah, you? yeah. We we actually the three of us got the same thing because you you had sold it so well. But even yeah. even with your your selling hat on, you undersold yeah. just how good these nugs I'll, were. I'll put it over huge, brother. Yeah. Um. I well, the one exception was Jamesy, who was with us, got a uh, got Kim cheese fries, which he put it's... over huge as well. I'd never gotten them because it's one of those places. I was saying, yeah, I'm there so infrequently. That like I really want to try loads of other stuff on the menu, but then I go there and I'm like I haven't been here in like three months, so I'm getting the thing I like. Yeah, you know, um, and it's one of the permanent menu items as well. Although I was interested, they did have like Korean fried chicken poutine. They did. Like, they they all had some awesome sound of brunch. Um, chicken, yeah. What was it? Chicken and waffles. Chicken and waffles with a big old egg on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing we were too full for. They had like. Um, pretzel covered ice cream cookie sandwiches um also a cornflake variety if you're not into pretzels um i've had them before and they are unreal um they also do if you were feeling very ladies who lunch they do froze which is like slushy rose oh uh, in tiny little cups uh but yeah we weren't feeling that spicy we were just more looking out at the model amount of rain because we were about to go watch football (laughs) outdoors (laughs) Yeah, which listen, it was a good experience. Yeah. We did it. was a pleasure. This is this our last um oh no, it's not. There'll be a show coming out right as we're right as we're about to meet up. About to leave for, for Wembo, mm-hmm. so it's it's not our, our farewell before that. But um yeah. That was a good time. We're looking forward to more good times and more um good fun with the gang at the end of the weekend. Uh or at the end of the month, should I say. Um Lee, we were talking back and forth about this show, so we're going, we're going to get into Thunder in a minute. Um, but we've reached a point in 1999 now where, and we've been doing this show for long enough, um, where we've kind of been looking at the format and thinking about, like, what could we add to the... Because I'm happy with the review style at the moment, and listeners seem to be as well. So I don't want to throw the baby out with the bat water or anything like that. But I was thinking, like, is there something that we can add a little bit, a little bit of spice, a little bit of flavor? And we would never, as we've always vowed to do, we are not going to just start reviewing every episode of Nitro. Uh, For us to dip over to Monday nights, it requires a very special circumstance. That we remain steadfast on, because also if we were to start doing Nitro and Thunder, it would double the remaining run of this podcast and probably half the level of sanity uh, on on the Zoom call every time we do these. Um, But 
something we had said we wanted to capture more of are like the backstage and wrestling world machinations that are happening Mm -hmm. so even if we're not because we're still living the gimmick of like trying not to add too much context to storylines like to try and figure them out based on thunder but in terms of like the backstage fallout or the backstage pretext i'm happy to delve into that a bit more um so what I'm going to do for as long as, again, sanity prevails, is to have a look at The Observer um, for each of the the timeline shows um, on, on the free feed and, and just have a talk about, like, what kind of stuff is going on. And I think what we're going to do is, unless it gets to a stage where... Um, I'm just like, fuck this, let's just, uh, let's just switch it on and off between each other. I like the idea that I'm just going to tell you without you knowing mm-hmm. beforehand. Like, I'm going to read the WCW section and the headline section of The Observer and tell you what's going on in the world of wrestling this week because some of the stuff, like, this one week alone, like, just dipping in vindicated our decision already, I think. Yeah, well, uh, I just want to say that, like, our, our thing at the, at the beginning of the show is we weren't going to be every other podcast that, like, like you said, did, did Nitro, did every fucking went through like the observer with a fine tooth comb to say oh uh-huh, wcw is such a mess um mm. but i think we've reached a point of thunder where the shows are to such a level that we could probably get through a review in like 40 minutes especially this one so like yeah. to pull the to pull the curtain back for a second this is a pre-tape thunder with four matches on it mm-hmm. And a hell of a lot of video packages, yeah. which we will talk about. Don't get me wrong; we are going to go through it segment by segment, as we always do. But like you said, Lee, we're not going to when... re- we're not going to review a a Nitro recap match. Hmm. We're not going to do that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think now is like the perfect time to start kind of delving more into the background of what's going yeah. on in the company, especially considering what's to come. Yeah. Yeah, because we are prepping the ground, of course. We are, like, only a couple of months away from Vince Russo's arrival, the final horseman of the WCW apocalypse. And it's fair to say the first 18 months were probably the most important Thunder ever was. From, yeah. he- from here on out, Thunder just doesn't matter. Um, In the sense of the company, like, are just, no, no, it's all about Nitro. we got to beat Raw, we got to beat Raw, we got to beat Raw. And apart from like one or two really landmark things they attempt on Thunder, yeah, it's pretty dire. Yeah, so I think it's going to be interesting because um, we see things happen on the show sometimes that we know our references or are are like like sometimes it's very obvious. Like we're like in two thousand, we're going to have stuff like Bischoff re- referencing the Sid Vicious Scissors thing. So mm-hmm. like nobody needs that explained to them. But there's going to be some stuff that happens on the air that like we're going to miss because we're pulled 24 years out of the context. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be nice for this feature to help. Like, we don't have a name for it or anything like that. If you've got a name for it, hit us up um, at WCW Thunderpod. But, uh, yeah, I just like the idea of, of having a look. And like I said, there's a lot of stuff in here this week. Like, just in one week in professional wrestling, the amount of shit that was happening is crazy. Uh, uh, as an example, Scott Hudson is now the main Nitro uh commentator yeah so so we had mentioned that on nights of nitro hadn't we that like he was Mm -hmm. just there and no one ever paid attention to it so dave wrote up about this and it's like it's kind of they talk about it but i don't think there's real so anyway 
What he says is Scott Hudson replaced Tony Schiavone as host of Nitro with no explanation given on air. And it was made clear that Schiavone was there because they had he and Mike Tenay both come out with microphones for no apparent reason, as you might recall, during the Rodman Savage angle. Hudson was told while in the studios uh, doing the uh, 7.16 uh, Saturday night taping for the next day to come to Nitro but not told why he wasn't told until 6pm on the night of oh the show by God. Bischoff that they wanted him to host the show Bischoff had earlier told Shivani that afternoon they wanted him to take a break which Shivani was none too thrilled about on the air Hudson opened the show with Bobby Heenan with no mention is made to why the official company line is that it's a two week experiment but with Shivani's work uh, roundly being criticised and Hudson bringing an air of freshness to the show based on the first week and the almost unanimous reaction to it the change looks more than temporary um, so that's that's an interesting piece there just on um, uh, and, just on, on what's happened I don't disagree that it brought an air of freshness we said that like he wasn't yeah, yeah. he wasn't as accomplished as Tony but he wasn't gonna be yeah. but him and Brain kind of did like bring something kind of fresh to the show yeah the other major change backstage at wcw at the moment is uh, so there's two things um that i definitely want to hit on and and then i want to hit a few a few of the headlines right um so the booking situation has slightly changed as of in or around this week there's no defined date put on it by dave um but kevin nash while still sort of booking the show has had greatly diminished power as of the last couple of weeks. I wonder so, why. Who, who has come back that could have greatly diminished his power? Yeah. So the uh, the booking trio that are ahead of him. Now, bear in mind, like it's worth saying, and it's mentioned to death at WCW as well, that even when Nash was booker, Bischoff still had final say on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was never truly by himself but he was writing a lot of the show and he still continues to write uh, up until oh, up until um, Russo writes it's, it's, still, it's, it's, sept- it's a September isn't it it's, it's September-ish yeah he's still writing because there's that one the, the, the thunder very, yeah. The, yeah, the very infamous Kevin Nash Thunder is mm-hmm. still to come uh, but anyway uh, the booking triad that are kind of like in charge with Nash kind of greatly diminished behind them is Bischoff and by Bischoff I mean Bischoff and Hogan and Dusty which is like just a, a strange trio now there was that whole funny thing uh, like the like the late 80s early 90s is like when this company was in doubt they just put Dusty back in the job booking mm-hmm. uh, regardless of the quality of what Dusty would put out but he was just like he was well liked you know um, but yeah so, so that's that's what's happening now and like although Nash doesn't get away scot-free and a lot of the kind of a lot of WCW talent are just kind of essentially booking their own shit now or at least like lobbying these guys to book their own shit uh, it's not going to make a noticeable difference on screen the noticeable difference comes later in the year I'm afraid see th- this is where the whole Nash like the boys love Nash thing because you know Kevin Nash was was working for the boys and then evil Terry came back and took control of the book and then Dusty got some power back so Nash had his hands tied yeah Um. It's like, it's a real kind of um, spider diagram trying to keep track of who has the book in 99 through 
through the return like the the start of the the millionaires club stuff in 2000 like, like it's it's hot shotting back and forth because for those who don't follow it like we're not too many months away from fucking kevin sullivan being given back the book i again. was just about to say we know by the close of 1999 kevin sullivan has the book because yeah what happens uh, I find it interesting as well that Dave notes uh, the plan for one of the big kind of heavily pushed matches at Road Wild is um, that there was going to be a tag match with um, Miss Madness and Rodman versus Medusa and Savage. Okay, but that was that was that was one of the planned directions, or Savage and Gorgeous George versus. Rodman and one of the women like he okay. said what he said was that like the plan at this moment is two singles matches the women and Savage and Rodman being separate but that one of the ideas that's been on the table is to do some sort of mixed tag involving Medusa Miss Madness and Gorgeous George some combination of that so whether Medusa wasn't going to get fired and she was going to be on one tag team it would explain why all that stuff felt incredibly rushed. Yeah. Like, they shot about a month's worth of angles with firing both of them it, in, like, the one week. It feels like uh, Savage got them both fired from his groups because he thought uh, Gorgeous George could have the spot then. Yeah. Although, like, again, like going with the context of death of WCW as well, is like, Turner are so fucking pissed about this, the, the oh, Tory the, thing. yeah. So we're we're not that far away from Bill Bush, uh, barring like uh, profanity, crotch tops, swearing, mm-hmm. um, man on woman violence, things like that, uh, without express approval from the Turner like executives. Um, so that's kind of like I imagine maybe that's one of the reasons that the the idea of the mixed tag match got pulled. Like it, it rarely seeing sense. <laughs> yeah, th- we don't want the man that was literally just on live television hitting a woman in a mixed tag yeah. match. I want to give you uh, one thing, and I'm glad you're sitting down for it, before I give uh, two wider wrestling world context things. The plan at the moment is for Eric Bischoff to get the presidency of the company and turn heel again. <laughs> Were they going to do a Bischoff-Hogan feud? Uh, also, this is fucking wild to me. The plan for... The 722 Thunder, which was the one we watched last week, mm-hmm. was for the in-ring return of Arn Anderson. Sorry, what? Yes. Uh, like, Arn... That's what Dave's written here. Like, t- throw away two lines here. But Arn was... In-ring n- return. Arn was never scheduled. Like, Arn was done. Yeah. He's fucked, like. I thought that was, like, a well-known fact by this point. Yeah, I guess not. I guess no one clued in fucking the lads in charge. Um, I I have yeah. never heard that about Aaron coming back. Ever. Yeah. yeah. Um and then yeah, he goes into talking about the diminished power of Kevin Nash as well. But yeah, that was uh the plan was for Aaron Anderson to return to the ring at the seven twenty two Thunder in Moline, Illinois, although you know how WCW plans are. <laughs> fucking very, hell. I love Catty I love Catty Dave. Uh, the other two things as well, just to show you how like uh, things weren't all um, gravy over on the other side. Uh, around this time, it looks like the Rena Miro sexual harassment lawsuit is wrapping up. Mm-hmm. She's already lost one key phase of it. So um, the sexual harassment lawsuit was a $140 million lawsuit against Vince and Titan Sports. And two of the conditions she had set... 
um, that she wanted was she wanted the legal right to use the name Sable as a performer outside of WWF. And she also wanted the rights to and royalties from her Playboy shoot that had just come out around this time, uh, which totaled about $850,000, according to um, Dave here. Uh, but she has just lost the first one of those claims. So basically there's no legal precedent for somebody whose fictional character was created by someone like WWF to be able to take that fictional character away without the express consent of said company. So she's been told by the judge she's not being allowed to use Sable anymore outside of the Fed. I thought she was referred to as Sable in her second... It was accidental. Ah, okay. Uh, in WCW, that, yes. When she, she was showing up in the crowd, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. She also tries to contend as part of the lawsuit that she was, uh, she was just there as a fan. Okay. Uh, that was that was her official her official line in in court, but yeah, I remember reading in in Death of WCW. There's like a. There's a line Reynolds and Alvarez write about there must have been steam coming out of Bischoff's ears when somebody just flat out called her Sable on commentary. Didn't um, didn't she do another Playboy shoot and was she not referred to as Sable? She did. Or was I that, don't know. Was she that did another one. Like, she yeah, it was post return. She did one with Tori. Yeah, because remember they did the, they did, they did, to they did, build it yeah, up. They did yeah. the lesbian angle yeah, yeah, with yeah. the two of them. Yeah. Not the first, nor probably the last Tori Wilson lesbian angle that Vince would would book. Um. Actually, sorry, I can't even blame Vince Holy because Heyman had the book on SmackDown for at least one of those Tory lesbians. If not both, actually, because they, were, they yeah. weren't very far apart either. No, no, there are some ways in which those men are very philosophically different and those specific ways, they are very much the same. At least mm-hmm. they were. Um, the other thing that's happening, and I really want to mention WWF, it's just this past week where they announced the special guest referee for SummerSlam is Jesse the Body Ventura. Hell yeah. Jesse the Mind. He was no longer the yeah. body, he was the mind. And uh, Dave did know as part of that that he was kind of hoping with his political ambitions and stuff like that, that in the wake of the Owen Hart death, death that um, Jesse would be the one to push for like a regulatory body in professional wrestling and kind of noted a disappointment that it never really came to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, because he like apparently and again I don't remember at the time but apparently he spoke very strongly after it did happen and then it kind of like just never followed through uh, uh, and then amazingly he got a payday from Vince I mean yeah, I just yeah. I can't understand that at all I don't know if that's what Dave is outright trying to suggest but yeah um, well, they, I don't know if you recall but like we, we remember that Jesse was there when the screw drop happened yeah yeah I mean we've seen it we've seen the footage mm-hmm. we've seen the footage um yeah, just an interesting time. Goldberg has recently re-signed for, I think, a $1.5 million downside guarantee. Foley's on the shelf for the last while. He got double knee surgery around now, um, but he still gets rushed back. He gets rushed back for the SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like Dave uh, Actually, said in hang the on. newsletter. He's not expected to be back. The Foley, there's no way Foley misses any Raws because this is the point where they do the... The Triple H China Foley number one contendership yeah. changes. Yeah. So Foley had to miss like maybe one or two Raws max. Yeah, for the actual surgery. And then was still like, it's just a madman. Because um, even the Raw post SummerSlam, he loses the title. Yeah. Oh, sorry. There was one last bit because I switched over to my notes and I had handwritten this uh, because I remembered that this was around this time. This thunder takes place around the time of the second infamous 
Hogan radio interview of 1999. So for those of you who don't remember, you can look it up. I, th- I want to say the audio is online. Um, Hogan called in or was a guest on uh, Mancow's, uh, who's a Mancow, who's like a kind of sports shock jock type guy uh, on his radio program. And during that, basically eviscerated the entire WCW roster, uh, called all the, the cruiserweights and mid-carders midgets, um, said, like, Goldberg was dog shit. Basically, they just just torched everybody. But now, Hogan's back in favor. Him and his boy are back booking. So he was doing a PR cleanup on WCW Live this past weekend, uh, where he put over Goldberg huge, uh, as like so, I can't remember. It was like an engaging personality or something. He called it. Um, but very funnily enough, um, after kind of praising the roster and trying to put out those fires, he said a very interesting thing, Lee, that I think is worth mentally noting at this point. He swore you would never see him in the red and yellow ever again. It happens in like about a month. Yeah. Yeah, it's our literally our next night of nitro. Oh, yeah, what a fucking piece of shit, Hogan. Is. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's yeah. let's get straight in. Now that we've set ourselves the context, actually, let's talk about. Actually, yes. sorry to interrupt before before we get to thunder. Okay. Um, you are a very infrequent guest in the. Uh, I sh- I shouldn't say guest. A very infrequent poster in the Voices of Wrestling Slack. Yes. And I saw you. I, th- I think it was I that summoned you the other the other evening. You did. You lit your candles, <laughs> and uh, I summoned the, the Dave Bat Signal. Um, yeah. It's not that I don't want to. Like I always have a good time when I'm in there. I just like I just there's so much shit to keep on yeah. top of, man. But um, the the context of why you were summoned is um, our our host, our boss. Some may say. Uh, Rich Craich yeah. was absolutely incredulous that we, or sh- well, I shouldn't say we, I should say I, uh, host a podcast by the name of Days of Thunder. Yeah. And have never seen said movie, Days of Thunder. Yeah. So I am now making it a full-time bit that I will never watch Days of Thunder until this podcast well, ends. And like that was my contention as well. Is like Days of Thunder has been up in at least one and I think two movie polls mm-hmm. on our Patreon, and it's lost. Like it's finished last place both times. I think. Yeah. Um. So it's not like we have put it on the on the offing. I. I've, and maybe I think Rich Craig needs to put his five dollars where his mouth is. If he <laughs> wants to vote for it. Uh, he needs to put his fifteen dollars where his mouth is if it comes. Oh, to he, it. oh yeah, he can request it then, yeah. but he can be around just to vote for. Oh it yeah, yeah, yeah. Came up again. he can. Um. But yeah, if. Uh, if you know what that's going to happen now? You pointed out that somebody's immediately going to subscribe at the TRL tier and fuck you over, <laughs> kill the bit in one week. <laughs> if uh, if Mister Craig ever listens to this, I am I'm going to purposely make it my. My sole purpose not to watch this movie until we get through the entire run of Thunder. I'm going to timestamp this and send it to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as friend of the show, Paul Volch rightly pointed out, uh, watching NASCAR-based movies is not a 
as such a big deal in uh, Europe as it would be in the States. Unless unless it's Talladega Nights. No, that's obviously the the important one to watch. Yes, the the documentary yeah. of NASCAR, you might say. Um, anyway, yes, with all your call-outs for the week out of the way, with your list of enemies vented, do you have about Ryan Nemeth while you're at us? <laughs> so the people that are banned from the podcast are... I heard Rich Chris showed, showed up to do a pre-tape backstage at Days of the Thunder and got sent home. <laughs> do you know what's funny? I might actually be on a podcast with Craig this month. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. Oh, I love it. Uh, right, okay, let's just do it. Uh, this is Thunder, episode 73. It's the second half of the tapings from Molina, Illinois. 29th of July, 1999. We have a 2.8 rating. Surprisingly, this taped edition of Thunder is up 0.2 uh, on the week before. An interesting one. Um, this is, as I wrote, a four-match taped Thunder. This could be the best or bleakest edition of the show yet. We shall see, but I'm not hopeful. <laughs> um, straight into it with no uh, no kind of uh, like uh, big shot at the desk because this is a this is a pre-tape. Uh, Tanay is reminding us that as we leave Nitro, uh, or as we sorry as we leave July, we are on the build to Road wild and i'm sure you are absolutely pumped for there are two pay-per-views that uh, on the wcw calendar every single year are guaranteed debacles and that's uncensored and road wild <laughs> it's amazing that they had two every year yeah two <laughs> not just it's one not even just one is <laughs> no. like that one's always a stinker it's like no they've got two a biannual stinker you've got one either side of the calendar we got to make sure we hit yep. both of them um, Even when the shows were good, these were bad. Yes. Now all the other shows are bad, and these are worse. Um, yeah, we we got to go back and do a show for free in front of the racist bikers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, by the way, a very eventful trip to Sturgis that I cannot oh, wait read the Observer it, about. I, I kind of gave you a little peek yes, behind what happens. Yes, yes, yes. But it's a, it's, if you don't know the stories, it's a very notorious trip to Sturgis. People talk about the plane ride from hell. Oh, boy. Oh, the bike ride from hell uh, is going to do it. Uh, we go straight into the first of many video packages tonight. It's a Hogan and Nash one. Now, there's a lot of bad video packages, a lot of superfluous video packages, and multiple uh, extended Nitro segments on this show. What I will say about this one video package is it might be one of the best ones they've ever shown on Thunder because it had a voiceover. It went step by step through the entire history these two men have with each other. It explained to you why they're in opposition to one, e- one another. And hopefully, not for you and I, but hopefully for the casual observer, they might be interested in seeing them fight now. Rather than the usual disconnected series of GIFs that they show <laughs> with like generic industrial music playing underneath it. Um, did, did you not think there was some real rewriting of history going on in this one? Oh, oh, look, 100%, but that's 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 wrestling, baby. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, look, you if you're not accepting if you're not accepting uh, rewriting of history, uh, you need to get out of showbiz. Um I did love that it was like before the NWO and the Wolfpack, Hulk Hogan was a star. And then Kevin Nash showed up. <laughs> I love I love that in in certain contexts, right? They will name drop Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. They'll name drop Steve Austin. They'll name drop this, that, or the other. 
and it, then you get video packages like this where they will do anything but refer to the fact that these men were also in another company once. They came from up north. It's very strange. Um, very strange. But, but it's a good video. It package, was a good video know? package, and I'll give them credit. They do shit all over the finger bogadoo. Yes, but that is like you want to talk about rewriting history. If there's one thing I would be excising from the history these men have together, it's that. They really, like, they hit you over the head with the fact is, like, this will not be another finger poke of doom. They're going to have, the, this is an, a heated feud. It will be a match. Yeah. I, I wonder, like, in their heart of hearts, I'm sure no parties would admit to it, but I wonder in their heart of hearts how quickly they realized that the finger poke of doom was, like, a massive miscalculation. Uh, I'd say it took a couple of weeks. Yeah. Because Nash goes right into the Ray feud and Goldberg is fucking DOA, basically. Mm. Yeah. And there's H- like the- Hogan gets to do his weird double turn with Flair. Yeah, there's so many, like, Goldberg is catching so many strays around this time and he's still got some of the worst ones I- left I- to go. I don't think we actually, we ever talked about that, but the Hogan Flair, was it the Super Bowl match? Yeah. Was the last, was the best uh, pay-per-view number they ever did, like, yeah, posts uh, Starcade. Also, it's so disappointing uh, because of the two, you there's one person who you would assume it was their idea, but uh, the something I don't think we we harped on enough when it happened was that the double turn was Flair's. Oh yeah, idea. Flair wanted to be heel again. Yeah, yeah. He- Flair wanted to be heel, but now Flair, it's around now again, falls out with the company again, mm-hmm. and he's off TV for a while, and then he comes back for a while, and then he's buried in the desert. Which I can't, really can't wait for that. I can't wait for Flair Buried in the Desert. Anyway, um, shall we get to yeah, the first match? So, do we have to? No. Um, oh, I I have a little bit that I a little bit of research I did as well because today during this intro sequence pumps up. Do you know who's on the next Nitro Lee? Uh, no. It's Kiss. Ah. I've never uh, I've never which, cared for Kiss. Which it leads to a very very important part of the death of WCW. It does. In the Kiss Demon yes. and his special main events. <laughs> but um, I... Do you know how much Kiss were paid for their one appearance? Uh, 950000 No, you've actually highballed it for once. $500,000. Okay. Uh, it bombed in the ratings. This is from The Torch. Uh, and Wade said that he believed it would spell the end for musical appearances. Um, now that I think there was one or two more, but the the level of name was greatly diminished after this. Um, so this is uh, Bischoff, I believe, his justification for it. I'd met Gene uh, Simmons of the rock band Kiss earlier in the year. We threw out different ways for us to work together. All of our ideas involved licensing deals. So the band had its heyday in the 70s and 80s. It still had a huge following. To this day, Kiss still has a fan base that will buy just about anything that has the Kiss name on it. It's a little like that Star Trek thing. <laughs> Such a bishop thing to say. Gene Simmons is a licensing and marketing machine. I've never met anyone who understands promotion uh, to the extent that Gene Simmons is. So basically this whole quote was like, Gene Simmons worked Bischoff yeah. and he wasn't willing to admit it. Like, Gene Simmons mm-hmm. saw a fucking money mark and absolutely outworked his boy um, and got some amount of money for this. We will talk about it when Dale Torborg shows up as the Kiss Demon, but... 
the fucking money that Kiss got to have just a completely different guy pretend to be the Kiss Demon and wrestle mm-hmm. in a specified series of main event I'll, matches uh, was. I'll outrageous. never forget. I think it was it was a Cribs and Simmons brings the, the camera crew into the Kiss memorabilia room. And it's literally, as it says there, everything you can think of. From tea, yeah, the coffin, tea towels, fucking Pez dispensers, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our first match, and I can't believe you wanted us to rush to this, is the cat versus Barry yeah. Darso. <sighs> cat gets on the microphone. He predicts he will beat the chump in less than five minutes. He asks any if any rednecks here in Illinois have a watch or can tell time uh darso out I, and i had to say he was looking profoundly divorced uh, as i quote have uh, the repo man out he, here stealing a living in 1999 yeah he really did he, he like Shit. he has the hair grown out but is like very much losing the battle yeah um he's got what looks like yeah. really old gear and he he yeah. hasn't ill-fitting or worked out or done anything to be like like if a young wrestler came out in gear that looked that terrible in that condition mm-hmm. like he would get an absolute it's, just, it's fucking sad um he he looked so defeated and so out of shape and so disheveled that i actually looked up to make sure he hadn't died because i would have felt really bad if I'd ripped him and he just died like yeah, right after because no, he alive. does all the, all the uh, conventions as and, a member of demolition yeah yeah only 39 years old in this match it's worth saying and looked That's every day man. of 58 but, the, uh, but that that was the 80s man the 80s yeah. fucking aged people yeah yeah it's a great philosopher, Buddy um, Wayne's uh, the role. Actually, Tanae yeah. mentions before um, the match starts that Sting is still WCW president. And I I yeah. had a thought of mm-hmm. Sting referring to himself as Mr. President. Like like George Michael would refer to himself as Mr. Mm-hmm. Manager. Yes. Oh, I would yes. Yeah, Mr. President. I would I would enjoy that. I unfortunately the Sting presidential area be shocked to learn doesn't well, I mean, last much longer. George Michael run as Mr. Manager, um, so Yeah. Um yeah, that was another thing that I, I was reading in, in WCW where this, this presidency goes next and fucking hell. Fucking hell. This company, like, I had forgotten actually when I was reading back about it that when Flair originally won the presidency, the stip oh, was, was presidency days. for life. No, it was it was for life at first, and then they changed yeah. it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates. It's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous 
brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's gonna be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably gonna get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network yeah but eric bischoff is president again right <laughs> he's on, uh, on uh, screen yeah, or something anyway he's an advisor yeah, uh, so is JJ Dillon still, and then Nick RPVP Lam- is Nick still Lambrose still kicking about. Um, Barry Darso hits the laziest single leg takedown I've ever seen to give the cats <laughs> something to think about. Uh, I will say we we kind of harped on uh, Barry Darso's gear. Cat's gear is shocking man. as well. I remember later in his run, him being in like the velour pants and stuff like that. And at least it looking like I still didn't like it, but it was still upmarket gear at least. Like he's got a, a red singlet with like cat in capital letters in Helvetica on it and then black knee pads. They both look like wrestling school dorks in this match. Like it's, it's actually embarrassing that this would be let on national mm-hmm. TV um. in 1999. Like, all the prelim dudes have better gear. The only people I can think of is uh, that don't have better gear than him are the Texas Hangman. Yeah, you're not wrong, dear. Actually, <laughs> fucking haven't seen the Hangman in a don't know how long. But yeah, no, they, they have absolutely shit gear. But um, yeah, no, the, the two guys here, just... Like, I know it's a tape show and all, but, like, come on. Have some fucking pride in your work. Like, or put some pride in your appearance, even. Um... Yeah, especially, like, a guy like, you know, whatever about Barry Darso, you can get where he is on the totem pole. But, like, Cat is being positioned to be Which pushed up this car. depressing. Yeah, no, it's the wrong decision. And I, I want to revisit your burial of the cat that you had started before I cut across you. But 
like you would think the very least you do like if they're like they're not putting the world title on him but relative to where he deserves to be they're strapping the rocket to him um do you think the first thing you do is spend like a reasonable amount of money on yeah gear because he, he initially had the the shorts didn't he and the the um he'd wrestle barefoot yeah and now he's kind of moved to a singlet for no apparent reason because like the whole thing is he's not a classic wrestler he's a martial arts guy so I I don't understand the the logic there, but as I was saying, I fucking hate the cat man. Like he's been on our screens for the majority of nineteen ninety nine at this point, right? Yeah, well, like I can't. It's been so long now. I can't. Like when he came when in, he was he... absolute dog shit, and we kind of laughed about it. Yeah. Oh, like he's still to this day, like you know his. He stopped mostly doing the mm-hmm. rebound feliner off the middle rope because he'd whiff it so much. But like that was a that was a good bit for a while. But now he's just kicking people in the head with the slipper. Yeah. Yeah. Kicking be- again with the soft side of the slipper. Like he's not super kicking them. Like it's just it's so fucking it's bad and it's not funny. It's not heelish. It's not anything. It's just like oh no and the cat feel like they're on every show and it's not going anywhere. Mm. Yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be all over this, and we're still a good while away from like Commissioner Cat that I think I was saying before at least gets him out of the ring mostly. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you're gonna pick one of him just talking or him um, wrestling, I don't remember me at age 11 being particularly irked by him as a babyface commissioner so I kind of almost look forward to that yeah at least that'll be something Um, different and he'll uh, like you say he'll not be wrestling as much yeah Um, so crowd already massively distracted and could you blame them there's a lock up in the corner Darso slams cat and does some strikes from the mount Snapmare out of the corner. He does standing axe handles, the sign of a real great modern professional wrestling match. Cat uh, then gets Darso in the corner. Foot choke, whips him to the opposite side. Wishbone off the post. Um, the ref gets distracted and Sonny chokes Barry Darso. Tanae has... <laughs> yeah, Tanae has absolutely no understanding of the passage of time in this match because, like, it, like he said, we're only about a minute into this match. It's easily three minutes in. Um... But I understand how you can become kind of unmoored from reality watching the cat and Barry Darso wrestle. Um, Darso does a whip and a follow-up clothesline. Whips him again, but punch to the gut. Terrible backdrop suplex for two. Ref gets distracted for a third time. Um, The shoe gets rolled into the ring. Shoe to the head for the win. Bad. Yeah, they they celebrate winning in four and a half minutes like they've... Like mm-hmm. won the US title or whatever. Awful. Now, Lee, Lee, for this next segment, I want to turn to you because I saw this and I kept quiet about it, and I was like, I cannot wait until Lee sees the segment because he is going to lose his goddamn mind. Well, Dave, let, <laughs> let me tell you, I lost my goddamn mind watching this segment. Yes, um, so for those of you who missed the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, Lee led a terrific tirade that you can listen to in isolation on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel, 
where our podcasts do get posted as well, if that's your preferred method of listening, um, about how the WWE Network and the way it is edited and censored is destroying wrestling history. And this was brought to us on the heels of a Nitro where the entire Megadeth performance and thus Goldberg returned to WCW were cut out of the program. Now the floor is yours, Lee, for the coda to that segment. So the the next recap or the next video package on this show was in fact a really well put together Goldberg video package. We've we've talked about like these Goldberg video packages in the past. They're they're actually one yeah. of the, the better things WCW do because it's very much high impact moves, set the music, you can't really go wrong. So, all of that said, Dave, we like you, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we had the Goldberg return, returning to crush him. Um, big part of his, his character at this time is the fact that he comes out to Megadeth. And this, mm-hmm. this video package is actually set to crush him. And it plays yeah. in full on the network. Yeah. And I, I got very angry, and uh, I'm trying not to get angry now. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's almost like it's actually worse than if they'd edited this as well, isn't it? it? I don't know why it is, but it is. It's almost like they're going, "Here's what you could have had." It it it. Gen- You're never going to hear him coming out to the ring to this. It genuinely makes the fucking hatchet job that they did <laughs> on his return. It it genuinely makes it like. 25 times worse, 100 like whatever you want to say. The fact that the full song plays in this package, like, it it's inexcusable. Either edit it out altogether. Yeah, the entire song unedited. Like, either edit it out altogether or just let it fucking play on the entrance. Like, it, it can't be... It has to be one or the other. You can't have this middle ground where they're fucking missing segments of the song playing. The other thing about it as well is that the network has been around for, what, like nine years now? Mm-hmm. Nearly ten? And this hasn't been caught yet? Because nobody watched like, Thunder on the network. Yeah. Except us. This is the thing, well, now, to be fair, at launch, Thunder wasn't on the network. That's true. Thunder only got added, I think, maybe the year before we started this. Um... But it's it's just hilarious nonetheless that it's such a lazy job of editing and that no one actually cares anyway. The chances are they probably just could have left all iterations of, of Crush Him In and it would have been fine. And like four segments from now on the show, we get Goldberg coming out. Like they, they, they do a full Goldberg Courtenning match from Nitro and they edit yeah. out Crush Him. Yeah. Even on the same show, so it's not mm-hmm. like the uh, the the intern in Stamford just missed this episode. No, he watched this episode and he edits it out later, but not now. Uh, it's it's infuriating. Like it genuinely, it pisses me off so so much, and I'm I I don't want to scream and shout about it because I've, I've fucking done it already. Yeah, but it's so fucking irritating. It made me mad for like half a second until I thought about how mad it would make you and then I just started giggling. 
I, I, I'm not like I know I'm being pretty calm about it now, but at the time I was <laughs> fucking fuming. And then the fact that he comes out later on to de edit it in, um, <laughs> it's so fucking, oh, it makes it even better. It's just. I fucking I hate WWE. I genuinely I hate this fucking company and what they do to history. It's fucking it, it's inexcusable. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> I hope they keep doing this. <sighs> we get a recap, another recap, and this one is just like what happened with uh, the dissolution of Team Madness. Um it was Medusa and Mona confronting Randy to say that George is behind the whole thing. They start preaching this conspiracy. Uh, Rodman, I did like that Dennis Rodman, who does not care. Uh, I was reading as well that Rodman was actually scheduled to debut, re-debut weeks earlier. Um, he, his contract this time, the reason he's back, Lee, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know the backstage circumstances in which Rodman came back for his final run he came back as part of a settlement for God's sake from a lawsuit that arose over last time when I believe was it the WCW tried to not pay him because in his last run leading up to Bash of the Beach he no-showed a bunch of nitros yes and as part of the deal like whatever settlement they made, they gave him another contract to return. Um, and he is getting paid for this one run, which I think is five appearances. Do you know how much he's being paid? Do, no, but do I want to know? Channel your best Dr. Evil, my friend, because he's being paid $1 million for, for this. Five appearances for a non-wrestler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and also... He started off this run by no showing a nitro. So when he eventually returned to confront Savage, it wasn't the original week he was planned to be there, which is great as well. Uh, but we get to see him in this segment, like casually stroll out and abduct gorgeous George, uh, which sends Savage off in a tirade. He finds her backstage and then runs out to the car park, security in, tr- in tow to try and get into Rodman's trailer. One other thing I noticed from this flashback, Lee, to Nitro, we will talk about it later during another segment because they finally reveal who it is. But did you notice a very annoying voice on commentary? I did, and I knew instantly who it was. Yes. Yeah. And if you don't, you will be knowing later on. So fucking brace yourself for that one. Uh, Saturday night tease uh, it's one hour long this week we're going to see Jimmy Hart and the first family in action Vans Hammer and the main event is the West Texas Rednecks versus Ray and the No Limit Soldiers uh, by the way Master P another guy who was getting like a million dollar plus deal to not wrestle that was just his pay that doesn't like in- encompass the pay of everybody else in the No Limit Soldiers uh, by the way I-, I like that you had to get the Vans Hammer mentioned in there obviously um. So, the next match, another fucking Matt Classically four-match show, and these are the two you're trotting out. That cat, cat match to start things off with Barry Darzo, and now Eric Watts versus Buff Bagwell. I, I think we're going to differ on this match. Are we? I think so. Look, I don't think this was atrocious. I don't think it was good, though. I think it was fine. I, I don't think it was good. I don't think it was bad either. It was just... It, I think... 
it was acceptably I, I maybe warped. you've I, I think you've had your brain broken so much by that Goldberg segment. I think you finally snapped and you're through the looking glass now. And you're where I am, where you're starting to actually work yourself into enjoying bad matches. I, look, I think I've done this before with Eric Watts. I think Eric Watts is perfectly serviceable as a TV wrestler at this point. Jesus God. He looks like shit, don't and get uh, me wrong. He doesn't oh, look good. Look, we'll talk about his gear in a second. Talk about his gear in a second, but uh, I want to talk about DDP is doing a hell of a lot of PR at the moment because uh, Tanae is plugging. He's spending all week on Hollywood Squares. He's appearing on Craig Kilborn, and he's going to make his first film appearance in the film First Daughter. And I got to ask you, Lee, on the spot, are we going to watch First Daughter at some point, or is that joining the Days of Thunder band list? Well, it's not on the band list. I just. Like I don't want to watch it. Do I have? Why don't you to, want to watch do I have it? To watch it? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Is, is, the best is it essential? <laughs> um, look, who? How am I to tell you? Like, interpret this art that I am just now learning for the first time exists. I knew there was one called the president, uh, the president's daughter. Yeah, I thought daughter, I thought that's that had the Katie one. Holmes in yeah. it. No, that's not. This isn't the Katie Holmes one. This is what looks to very much be a TV movie, uh, just based on the poster. Um, I'm even trying to. I'm actually struggling to find the synopsis for this. Ah, oh, yes. After an agent saves the U.S. president by not following procedure, she's demoted to looking after the teenage first daughter on a wilderness tour with other teenagers. Problems arise. Is, is Dallas Page um, one of the teenagers? Dallas Page is playing Dirk Lindman. He looks like a Dirk. Yeah, it's. Uh, there's actually a couple of people who I know in this. Uh, like, Alan Dale is quite a famous character actor, and uh, Dominic Purcell, who is uh, Lincoln, the uh, the jacked brother in uh, Prison Break, is in this. Okay. But this was obviously pre pre fame. Oh yes. yes. Oh very much yeah. yes. Um yeah, this looks real bad. Real, real bad. Um look, I am gonna go out on a limb here and say I'm not watching it. Okay. But obviously Until if somebody pays for it. I was just gonna say if somebody pays me to do it, I'll do it. Eric Watts is dressed like what would happen if your mom made you a Jeff Hardy costume for Halloween. Or basically what Jeff Hardy dresses like when he's intoxicated. I mean, yeah, if you well, I mean, if anybody dressed themselves while intoxicated, they would end up similar to this with a tight Under Armour style vest, baggy ended jeans with these weird yellow accents going up the seam. Uh, yeah, terrible, terrible. I mean, it was, it was probably of its time. I mean, I wasn't dressing that way, but I mean... Extra- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't. I don't know anybody else was, but I guess it must have been of the time. Uh, Buff is all over him. Couple of big arm drags. Clotheslines him over the top. They get back in. Slow motion drop down spot. Uh, Buff ducks a clothesline. Punch, drop kick. Ten punch, but Watt stops him at eight and drops him neck first on the ropes. 
Eric mocks the buff pose and does the most... Oh, my God. He does this running kick to buff side. It's the most dainty. I really hope I don't lay it in too much. And this is where we very much differ because at some point I stopped taking notes for a while and wrote, this is so shite. Sorry, I was taking a drink and trying not to laugh. <laughs> um, look, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I enjoyed it. I, I think the work was fine. You've got Thunderbrain, and it's okay. I've got it. Too. I think it's what's fun. true a nice Larry. Yeah, he then does repeated pin attempts and one of the most diabolical mule kick attempts I've ever seen while Buff is kneeling at the ropes. What What did you think of his twisting splash? That definitely wasn't a moon salt. That's they called a moon salt. Ah, oh, God, it was awful. The other thing that made me hoosh during this was um, Buff's comeback which features Eric Watts doing the most comically bad stinger splash into an empty turnbuckle you've ever seen in your life. Mm -hmm. Like, b before he even leaps off the ground, Buff is about 10 foot clear of that turnbuckle. <laughs> it's so horrendous. Like, there's just, for some reason, I know where Buff, like, had a word with him beforehand about him laying stuff in with other people, but, like, he was terrified to lay a hand on Buff. To do anything that would be anywhere close to stiffing Buff in this. Well, as we know, Buff, Buff is on the edge at this time. He certainly he's, is. He's, he's about to get into some real uh, situations. He's on the edge. The edges don't have sides. Um, Watts slams him down and goes for a Vader bomb. Uh, knees up from Buff. Buff absolutely rocks him with a fucking drop kick off an Irish whip. Buff was not afraid to lay it in, I will say. Uh, Watts leaps frog, leapfrogs absolutely nothing and then takes a, um, the most ridiculous Rikishi inside out bump off a jogging shoulder barge <laughs> from Buff. Uh, yeah, you're, you're really playing it down. I thought Watts did a good job on the comeback. Oh, I didn't. Uh, he hits a blockbuster, but Cat is in to interfere. Drops an elbow on Watts by accident as the cat bails. He wasn't in to interfere, he missed the pinfall. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess. I wouldn't mind. He was standing in the aisle for the majority of the match and still somehow missed the tree count. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible idiot. Fucking uh, shit. Buff clears, out Sonny. <laughs> Buff clears out Sonny Ono on the ramp and then starts dancing. Um, Nitro for what is being called a gut check match. It's Hennig versus Goldberg again. <laughs> And then it's revealed very quickly who that annoying voice on Nitro was, Lee. It's star of an early rehash of the champions, Jason Hervey. Mm-hmm. I am surmising from what we already read about Scott Hudson and what's happening now with Jason Hervey, um, and a couple more changes I know are coming very soon to broadcast, that um, Bischoff is extremely unhappy with commentary in WCW. It's getting, in the very nascent days of the internet at the moment, the commentary is getting eviscerated. Yeah, um, I think we talked about this. When, when Bischoff was given the executive producer role over at WCW, Tony Schiavone was his boss as an announcer. So to Tony was the head of the commentators, yeah. basically. Like, um, the, the current role that Mike, no, Michael Cole Not has. only that, but Tony... Yeah, not only that, but Tony was expected by Manny in the company to be the one that got the job Bischoff did yeah. then get. So, the fact that it's taken nigh on five years for 
Bischoff to finally take Shivani off the air is more of a shock than the fact that Shivani was taken off the air to me. Um, but yeah, no, like you say, I think people were very down on the Shivani and Heenan team at this point, and obviously they they've tried yeah. they've tried a couple of things with Thunder, and I mean I don't love yeah. the Tanay and Zabisco team. But at least, at least it's different. I like Tanae. He's certainly, he's certainly not, he's certainly not as good as he would eventually be. But I like Tanae. Mm-hmm. Well, look, at least it's different from Nitro. Yeah. And yeah, the whole t- like, like you just called out at the start of the show, the Hudson thing is an experiment. But obviously, within the first week, Bischoff was was t- letting people know that he liked the energy it brought. So yeah, you can tell that they're trying things and they're trying to freshen up the, the the company. Like they've already changed the set, the new logo. Like they they are trying things. I will give them credit on that. It's just the fact that yeah. they're doing this with money that isn't theirs, so they don't really give a fuck in the in the end. Yeah, on Heenan as well. We do only have a few months left of him on commentary at all. He's gone by January two thousand. Yes, he is. Um, so that's that's another thing that that changes in the the, the relatively near future, um, but anyway, uh, I I realized very quickly it's like oh it's one of those thunders where they're just showing entire nitro matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is there much to get into apart from like Goldberg gets lamped with a bull rope and starts bleeding from the forehead, which is not the first or last time that he ends up bleeding from the forehead in a match. Yeah, he he takes a full on cowbell cowbell shot to the head like legit takes yeah. it um he actually does a great bump off it as well <laughs> um but yeah, yeah no like like i said we're not gonna we're not gonna review a nitro match um goldberg basically beats the fuck out of rednex and they get dq'd yeah yeah so gold gold he, uh, goldberg's fully... goldberg's big return ends in the dq yeah there's also no better way to describe it at one point than he yeeted hennig out yes. of the ring uh, like he sent that man flying. I will say, Kurt Henning, who, as we pointed out numerous times on the show, is absolutely washed by this point. Uh, yes. He fucking bumps like a maniac for Goldberg in this match. Yeah, no, I respect the hell out of mm-hmm. it. Uh, fair play. Like he knows when he needs to turn it on, and he he still can in very very concentrated ways. Uh, so I respect that. Uh, triad promo with a really weird close-up angle of the cameraman actually inside the ring, which you don't normally get on Thunder. Um, I thought that was quite unusual. Um, it does make it feel a little bit different, so I was kind of like, okay, this is cool. Uh, Paige does the, the you'll never forget me thing in Booker T's direction. Uh, Bam Bam demands Booker T, who he describes as a cheese whiz sucking ass to come down. And uh, this week, their mama joke for him is that uh, his mother was apparently so rotund, um, she got baptized at SeaWorld. Uh, so there you go. Cute, cute uh, laughter. That, this leads us into Bam Bam Bigelow with the rest of the triad versus Booker T. Um, and they are pushing hard the Harlem Heat return. Um, right, leading right into this so like I think because WCW is so heavy handed I was like okay right the reunion is happening in this segment oh yeah because they're yeah. not they're not ones to play the long game on this it's like right okay they're they're pulling the trigger on this one yeah, it's, and you know what for, for once I'll give them this Lee 
they actually pulled the trigger on an important angle that people wanted to see on Thunder. I will say this segment hit all the right beats. They did everything that you would have wanted. Um, I think Booker and Bamam had a, a. I don't want to say a good match. It was fine. They they worked decently hard. Like they begin the match at a decent clip, and the, it does grind to a halt a little bit. But um, the match is fine. And then post match, they hit all the right beats. They do everything you want them to do. And yeah, I I thought this was a, a good segment for a taped thunder. It achieved the goal, yeah, for absolutely. sure. And yeah, as you as you were kind of alluding to the the triad jump Booker for the DQ, which causes Stevie to come out to save them with a pair of chairs. Crowd chanting Harlem Heat. Stevie says to them, "Listen up." Says if those three fruit booties have any guts, they will face the two of them like men. Offers his hand to reunite with Booker to take them out. Booker says he wants to see him take his shirt off because he's wearing the NWO shirt, and he obliges. He says he needed someone to watch his back and now he needs his brother. They hug to a huge cheer. So Harlem Heat are officially back, Lee. And they raise the We're roof together. They do. They raise the roof together. We will have them back for pretty much the rest of the year um, before uh, the the breakup angle happens mm-hmm. yet again in early 2000. And that is going to be one of the most tedious things we'll have to endure in 2000. So look forward to that, eh? Mm-hmm. Can't we? Uh, Hogan back on Nitro calling out uh, Nash for a piece of him. Nash came out with Rick and Sid. We had seen them kind of form a, an alliance of evil uh, recently. Uh, they start brawling, but Hogan is beat down three to one. Sting came out for the save. Kevin points out that Hogan was right. Or no, that he was right. Sorry, that Hulk can't do it alone. Uh, Sting says he has a big first decision as president. Should he be Hulk's partner tonight? Hogan says he won't stab him in the back. Sting says if he does, I'm going to get you. Uh, fast forward to Sting and Hogan versus Nash and Vicious. Um, Norton screams, "Did they see this coming?" Um, and I was just like, it, because the whole thing was like, who is he going to? Uh, who of the two people is Nash going to team with? Is it going to be Rick Steiner or Sid Vicious? I can't believe that was a, a thing that they hung dramatic tension on. Uh, hang on. And Norton trying to sell it like, oh, it's such a, f- it's so fucking weird. What, yeah? You, you, you've just said twice Norton. I, I believe it's Scott Hudson on commentary, not Scott Norton. As good as, Hudson, as, good as that would be. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Oh, do you know what? It must have, I must, it must have autocorrected because I'm so used to writing in Scott Norton. So it's gone. It went from Scott Norton to Scott Hudson. I mean, Scott, yeah, Scott Norton on commentary would be interesting. So Hudson screams on commentary, did they see this coming when Sid of all people comes out? I'm like, it was literally a, a yeah, 50% chance. Wh- wh- why was it a shock? I, I don't get it. <laughs> it's so dumb. Yeah. Uh, Sid does an inverted... Uh, you talk about people that are afraid to hurt people. Sid does the most gentle inverted atomic drop that was very reminiscent of the giant choke nap mm-hmm. uh, back in the day on Hogan. Helping Grandpa Hogan get... Uh, oh, he even helps him back up off the mat, remember? Yep. He does that and then he helps him back up um, to help him uh, to his feet. Match breaks down very quickly. Sting and Hogan clear house. Nash is mad. Hervey is awful. Um, and then, yeah, that's about as much as I want to uh, to really get into this. As well, like, this disgrace of a presentation was put on in the fucking Mid-South Coliseum. Oh, yeah, just fucking... It's... 
that's WCW in They don't give a fuck. Like they won't play. Yeah. Also, Goldberg. Goldberg looks like an idiot because he comes out way too late to say the baby faces as well, and then gets taken out himself. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you know how AW will always like play in to the the locale it's in. WCW just ignore all that. Can you believe, Lee, we're already at our main event? Yes. <laughs> this is a six-man tag team match. Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, and Perry Saturn versus Ric Flair and the triad members, DDP and Canyon. Uh, and it's the main event segment, and fuck all happens. Yeah, it's just a total nutting. Um I, I do enjoy the fact that Ric Flair holding people back is now storyline canon. That yeah. That's just a thing that happens now. And it's a thing that yeah. will continue to be... Ric Flair who, like... To be pushed as a an angle on WCW until the day it dies. Yeah. But the... Uh, and they're kind of... Now they're in a point where they kind of have to run with it because the guy they've just hired to go into a feud with him and his mates is a guy who made his career burying Ric Flair as holding people back. Mm-hmm. So whether they want to or not, this is kind of where they funnel themselves into. Um, but it was it was a classic one of those Thunder main events, Lee, where it was just like, they're just killing time to get to the post-match. Like, they have absolutely no desire on doing anything interesting or or worthwhile here nothing actually like the the runtime on the main event is 10 minutes and I don't think anything happens for 8.5 minutes yeah and that's relatively generous I think Um, what have we got here I got like Canyon does a cool bridging roll up at one point Uh, Saturn does a 10 punch on Flair oh yeah this is uh, again like look at the common thread like the cool things are always either Canyon or one of the three guys in the revolution here. Um, because uh, there's a bit where a 10-punch spot is happening and Canyon breaks it up by getting in and doing a side Russian leg sweep I, off the middle I knew rope. you'd pop for that one. Yes. You know I love a side mm-hmm. Russian leg sweep, but off the middle rope to break a 10-punch, brilliant. Uh, they go through a break, DDP in charge, tags in Canyon, they double team, tags Page back in, Saturn tries to fight back, match breaks down uh, Benoit fucks Canyon up with a dragon suplex and a headbutt uh, then Bam Bam misses a headbutt and hits Canyon Flair knocks out Benoit with a roll of quarters Canyon gets pulled over the corpse and wins uh, oh. then Shane Douglas comes out about a week later. I, I will say before we get to the Douglas promo it's so obvious not just in hindsight but at the time that they viewed Chris Benoit as so far above Malenko and Saturn. Like, he, he's yes, the yeah. guy that clears out. Yeah. He's the guy that gets the hot tag. Like, even at this point in 1999, they're treating Benoit as a guy. Yeah, like, if this guy is four inches taller, he's already a five-time oh, easily. champion like, at this stage. That, this is the guy that would have been, like, in the in the Goldberg spot before Goldberg. Yeah, yeah, like, they keep... They, they go through cycles of talking up, like, how good they think he is. And then, like, right when he's about to break through to that next level, they talk themselves out of it. And it just keeps happening over and over and over again. Um, Yeah, just an interesting one. Interesting one. Um, So, yeah, like we said, a week late, because we thought he was going to come out on the last Thunder. Shane comes out not only a week late for Thunder, but, like, 
way too late to affect the outcome of this match anyway. Uh, either way. Um, he says this is exactly what he was talking about. A screw job has been happening in this company for far too long. Young talent can only be held back for so long. He's not surprised with the politics that his flight was delayed. So he's accusing Ric Flair of cancelling his flight or some shit. He says you can't stop the revolution. They are the scalpels to cut out the cancer. So now it's confirmed like who he's been talking about, who he was talking about in his comeback promo. We all knew it was Flair, but now he's got his eyes fixed on Flair. Um, the revolution officially have their name as well. But Lee, I think the most kind of like the big underlying point here is that it's one of those early angles where people writing the show think everyone is already online mm-hmm. all the time and they they all they want is angles that talk about backstage bullshit and who's being held back and shit like that and people couldn't give a fuck less yeah and like it, it's hard to fathom at this point in 2023 like just how little of the wrestling fan base was actually online at this point and even if they were online, there's no guarantee that they were seeing this backstage drama stuff. So yeah, or getting accurate information. Like the whole the whole thing, the whole knock on Russo is that he booked for like the five percent of people that watched the show that were aware of online drama, yeah. and that's what it was. It was legit. That were him. He was he was fascinated by the online drama, so he assumed everyone must be. Yeah. So, like to say it was even five percent of the audience at this point is probably being generous. Um. What I want to say is, it's a damn shame that by ni- this point in 1999, that Shane Douglas could no longer go, because I thought that it was a good little promo. And one yeah. thing I'll always say is, Douglas is is a captivating character in the sense that he can cut a good promo when when he's given a structure and it's kind of kept on point. Um, mm. And it's just a shame that, like, his body was already pretty broken down at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's like, you know, we have the story for a bunch of dudes across wrestling history. Like, it's such a shame that Kurt Hennig gets to WCW and he feels like he's finally having fun and he's comfortable. And then, like, a bunch of his friends die and he's also washed. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's awful. Like um, we we talk about it at the time, like the the teased Rick Rude perfect tag team or Henning tag team would yeah. have been so good. The, the one thing I think of a lot as well, like current day, like he's not com- he's not completely washed by any stretch, but I often think of Joe, yeah, Samoa Joe, who is like at his most confident and comfortable character wise as he's ever been, but unfortunately his body has. Not completely, but a little bit missed the boat. Like, he's not near his physical peak. I think we've talked about this on the show before, but th- this is something that Joe Lanza talks about. It's where wrestlers have this sliding scale of physical peak will be super high, but, like, confidence and yeah. charisma levels will be super low. And then as they go through yeah. their careers, one goes up, the other goes down. And, like, they do yeah. have that perfect moment where they're, they're level on both, but... Yeah, it's it's Douglas is very much in the like at his peak as a as a talker at this point, but like physically he's just fucking damaged. Yeah, yeah. It's a real shame. It's a real shame. But anyway, that's the end of this episode. This very brief episode of Thunder. Um, what did you think of the show overall, and who are your winners and losers? Hit me up. It's hard to care about a taped show. Um, 
like the fans don't care like as we pointed out you're getting Barry Darso and Eric Watts trotted out on the show um oh oh he's giving out about it now I, look I thought I thought Watts was fine just the fans don't give a flying fuck about him um like you said like the main event we're getting a six man tag but like it's very obviously just an angle um so like the wrestlers are working kind of half pace and just very obviously just want to get through it uh like of of the people on the show i'm guessing booker t and stevie ray are the winners because the fans actually invested in the harlem heat reunion yeah, it was the biggest reaction on the show, wasn't it? The biggest genuine reaction. It was probably, compared to even last week's show, it was probably the biggest reaction in the arena. Um, mm. Losers, ugh, I fucking don't know. Like, us for having to watch Barry Darso at this point. Um, yeah, truly. Like, the cat is so fucking bad. I, I genuinely, like, the cat is fucking, like, he is dire. He is, <sighs> Cat 99 is what Disco was to me in 98 on this show yeah except you're not doing a bit where you're putting over the cat <laughs> no no I wouldn't try and work you like you tried to work me um, but yeah that, that that's my takeaway fuck the cat and yay Harlem Heat <laughs> yay Harlem Heat indeed um, yeah like I can't I'm, like as always, my friend, uh, you you do a, a fine job of determining the winners and losers. Well, actually, when I, I can't when's the go home show for the pay per view? Uh, it's not. It's like t- I think two or three weeks from now. So we st- uh, we still have a couple of thunders to get through. I can find out for you right about now if you'd like. I would. I would. Okay. Well, you know, bear with me there for a second as I as I bring up our our little episode guide here. Um, now, do you want to know how many how many weeks it is, or how many podcasts? How many how many thunders do we have to go through before? Okay, so we still have two thunders. Okay. Um, and then we also have. I'll double check this. It appears thunder is preempted then on the week before the pay per view. Is it? Oh no, sorry, no. It's um, it's a double shot. So thunder seventy four happens. Then we're doing Knights of Nitro. So <laughs> so Hulk had said in his radio interview last week that the red and yellow isn't returning. It returns in two weeks. Oh, Jesus Christ. So we even overestimated just how fucking truthful the man yeah. was being. Oh. So we got Thunder 74. The Then we're going to do the red and yellow return Nitro, which is the same night as Raw as Jericho. Yes, which we just passed that anniversary, actually. Yeah. And then we've got the go home is Thunder seventy five before Road Wild. Okay, so we've three shows. Okay, yeah. So look forward to that one. Uh, our final little bit of business: the uh, finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga is one of my favorite and most Thunder breakdowns so far. Four matches, zero clean finishes. Hell yeah. Two DQs or countouts, and two interferences leading directly to a finish. <laughs> two DQs. <laughs> the tape show <laughs> fucking hell yeah. incredible 
Love this company. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. We should be back on the free feed in two weeks. If you if that is not enough for you, if you want to hear more of our dulcet tones, please go to alargemanappears.com and check out. We do twice as many podcasts every month. We're talking at least three extra episodes every single month down your podcast pipes for only five Europeans. So check that out. We'll talk to you very soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. To keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us, you can follow us on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. kids do you like wrestling well we like wrestling too we are shake them ropes here on the voices of wrestling podcasting network myself and chris novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling and also you know what sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that too love for you to give us a listen if you haven't already we are shake them ropes here on the voices of wrestling podcasting network